Black Doctors Podcast, Season 6. Hello and welcome back to the Black Doctors Podcast. I am Dr. Stephen Bradley, your host. I am joined this week once again by Dr. Nate Jones, pediatric emergency medicine physician. We're continuing our conversation from last week, and we jump into another conversation, another aspect of that on respectability politics. We talk about navigating these institutions that weren't built for us as minoritized individuals and some of the things we encountered along our path, how we've grown into the positions we are today and are able to improve the pathway for those that are following. So super relevant episode, especially for those that are applying to residency this year, especially for folks that may sit on panels for residency interviews or medical student medical school interviews. Hopefully you'll enjoy this episode of the show. We'll hear a quick word from one of our sponsors and jump into our chat. This podcast is sponsored by Picmonic. In 2011, two medical students came up with the ingenious idea to combine medical education with unforgettable characters and ridiculously memorable stories. Featuring over 35,000 high-yield facts and graphics, Picmonic has helped over 600,000 students improve exam scores and perform better clinically. Picmonic has resources for pre-med and medical students, as well as other healthcare professions. Check out the show notes for a link to their website. Mention the podcast when you subscribe. With Picmonic, you can study less, but remember more. Yeah. But it's a, a big question of, you know, are you proud of your social media presence? And are you like happy discussing that on job interviews, mm-hmm. um, on fellowship or residency interviews? Um, and even like, you know, I don't post anything offensive, but, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm much happier to, to talk about, oh, yeah, I host the Black Doctors podcast, which focuses yeah. on increasing diversity in medicine. And that can be divisive at depending yeah. on the institution, depending on the person, right? But that's actually mm-hmm. a very good thing because if it's divisive and offensive to you, then mm-hmm. please let me know. Yeah, because it tells you that's so, not the environment so can, you can be in. Yeah, so I can <laughs> keep it pushing. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, <laughs> like, this has been great. I love that you flew me out here. Didn't know you were racist. I'm ready to leave. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's true. It's true. I think that's the um, idea behind, quote unquote, like uh, respectability politics and, and, mm. and how you present yourself. Because in some ways, there is a way that we're supposed to speak and talk. And in a lot of ways, it is a form of defense, right? A minoritized, minoritized people is thinking about like, well, how do we get through this society that's not built for us to survive? And how do we get through that? Um, and a lot of ways it's to adopt the social, the societal, quote unquote societal pressures of things, right? Like how you should wear your hair and how you should speak and what you should wear and and um, and how you should present yourself online. I mean, I think that's why I, I talked earlier about having two different Twitter accounts because like, one Twitter, I just want to say whatever I want and no one knows who I am. And the other one, I'm like, well, let me just repost this study from JAMA and talk about these things. Um, <laughs> so it's like, do I read JAMA on a regular basis? I, not not daily. I definitely don't read it daily. Uh, so those are, those are the things that, I, and I, I wonder for you, because I know you've dealt with this, particularly like being in the Navy and then being like back in civilian life and being in academic center. And then, and then like, I mean, I think there's different levels of what it's like to present ourselves and how we go about things. But I'm curious, like you, you especially your hair journey, because because you're, I see you're back to your, your <laughs> element. You're back to the, the, the scene that I knew. <laughs> You've had a whole journey. We can we can talk. 
Oh my God. So looking back, if you look through my life as is yeah. portrayed in living color in, on Instagram, <laughs> you can see most yep. of my life. Very well documented. <laughs> yeah. Very, you will see a different hair every, literally every month. It's different yeah. hair. And that I think that is, you know, India, I'm not my hair. Yeah, I, yeah. you know, I grew up always getting a Caesar or a fade or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's been part of my story that actually a lot of people don't know. And, and, you know, I heard some crazy stuff from black people sliding my DMs talking about my hair, which is, mm, you know, really whatever. Oh, yeah. Like people have a lot of a lot of stuff. Wait, to say. When your hair was cut or when it was like, um, I mean, somewhere. Yes. The in between phase. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, so okay. growing up, uh, yeah. you know, my dad cut my hair. I made mm-hmm. my brother. So I never yep. like went to barbershops. So for mm-hmm. me, like moving to going to college and going to the barbershop with my friends was mm-hmm. like, I was like, oh my God. Like I remember just walking to the barbershop and then they're like, what do you want? And I'm like, oh yeah. gosh. And I had to look at that stupid chart that has like yeah, with every number black <laughs> heads on it. <laughs> yeah. And while the whole barbershop is staring at me and I'm like yes. looking at all 50 of these heads that all yeah. kind of look very similar. And I'm just mm-hmm. going to pick a number. And then I realized like, oh, they don't really do the number. You just got to say, like, I want a Caesar yeah. faded. Yeah. And then I'm like, do I want the square faded rod? So it was a very overwhelming experience for me yeah. because I didn't grow up going to the barbershop. And then you're going to mm-hmm. charge me $25. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I remember, like, moving to Howard. Yeah. And then if you go to the barbershop up the hill across from the university, then those haircuts were, like, super expensive, like $25, $30. You had to call to book an appointment. I hate scheduling stuff. So that alone is, like, not going to, you know, not going to do it. And then... Yeah. I went to Alexandria, like the suburbs where I lived uh-huh. that first year of med school and went to a barbershop there. So again, I hate waiting. I don't like barbershops. Mm-hmm. So I'm the dude that walks in, first chair vets open, yo, cut my hair. What? What? That's so scary. <laughs> that's, like, that's, that's like Russian roulette. What? what? It is. It is. <laughs> and I continue that. to do so. I, I can't, I hate, I, I wow. hate waiting. I hate getting, so... I, again, this is at Howard University College of Medicine. It was before mm-hmm. a date auction. That's a whole other story. But I yeah. go in, I, I go to the first dude. I remember him sitting there going through his phone or whatever. I'm like, hey, man, you cutting? And he looked so surprised that like somebody wanted a haircut. And he proceeded to push my lineup so far back. And then it was my first time seeing that the black stuff that they put on your oh, hair God, to fill it in. Spray. Oh, God, the spray. Bro, and then yeah. he, so he filled in my hairline with that. And then I'm like, you look like a church okay, pastor. <laughs> straight up. I was like, I've had worse haircuts. Not yeah. really. It's like one of the worst haircuts, but whatever. Because for me, it's yeah. like hair grows back. Like it's going to be different. Um, so then I went to Howard. Mm-hmm. And oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> they lit me up. They're like, bro, what happened to your hair? What, what's going on? They pushed you back. Wow. Um, so anyways, I, I, I hate going to barbershops. So... That was, you know, going through Howard. I, I started, I kind of grew my hair a little bit. And then, oh, residency match time. Well, I'm going to get my hair cut. I'm going to get the Caesar. I'm going to get the fade, whatever. Like, I'm going to be, you know, whatever. You talk about respectability politics. Yep. I just want to be like, you know, non-offensive. I want to stick out. I just want to fit in. And that's a, you know, decision that people make for themselves, which mm-hmm. we could should definitely talk about. But that's what I, I cut my hair in residency. In the first mm-hmm. like year or two, I was really like working hard selling my program. And then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna grow my hair out because I'm going to the Navy, so it's gonna get cut. And that's when I freeform mm-hmm. locked my hair. And mm-hmm. it, I mean it it was 
freeform locks. I didn't know how I locked my hair. There's a lot of beeswax. There's a lot of random stuff I put in my hair. But I just let... Lower your eyebrow, man. <laughs> what <laughs> like is happening face. over here? I feel the very struggle. judged. You should have called for help. <laughs> I, I, should have, I probably should have called for help. Um, <laughs> so that was that was residency. And then yeah. my buddy, uh, Jared. You remember Jared? Jared from Meharry. Yes, <laughs> He's yes, a barber, Jared. so he cut my hair. Oh, I know he was hair. a barber. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He actually did yeah. a good job. He cut my He's hair good, yeah. when I went to the Navy. Mm-hmm. And then I had to kind of keep my hair cut. And then I had a date in my phone from the, the one year uh, from getting out. That was my last haircut in the Navy. So then oh. I, started, I just grew it out. But the thing was, technically, there's like really strict hair standards. So it had to be like mm-hmm. like, like a three-quarter inch fade. Like there's this whole thing. Oh, like wow. It couldn't be too long. Okay. And so I had to like try to be in dress code during the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and towards, you know, nine months into this, like my hair was super long. Mm-hmm. And that's why, that's when I was like, yo, what's going on with your hair? Oh, your hair's looking rough. Like, everybody's on Instagram. I'm like, yeah, well, I'm throwing it out in the Navy. Like, I can't yeah. get my hair locked because that's not in the dress policy. Um, so it was, you know, it was interesting to hear from, you know, people that look like me, like, oh, you got a lot mm-hmm. to say about my hair, which I, I don't really care. You know, I don't care yeah. about most things in life. Mm-hmm. You know, and then even my coworkers, they're like, oh, yeah, hair's getting long there. And and then finally, you know, the the my last weekend in the Navy... I finished my last shift and then went and got my hair locked. So now I have legitimate locks and um, that's been my hair journey. And there look at that. <laughs> All the, the growth. I cannot believe you randomly into a random chair. You don't want, that's crazy. I'm the one. Yeah. Actually, it's funny. Today's the first. I usually get my hair cut every Friday. I get hair cut weekly. And, every um, week? Yeah. Only because I love, mm. I love a sharp, like a sharp lineup and a good fade. Um, I've had the same hairstyle actually firm since like residency. Uh, and also, I also have like I also do the phone call, and I have like one barber who cuts my hair in his house, and it's very easy. Oh my god! You, but you have to go to the shop every week. Mm-hmm. Well, he looks like three or four blocks from me, so it's very easy. Just walk my walk my butt over there and sit down, talk, and cut my hair. But just like you, I I, I think we all have that similar experience of like coming into like the barber shop, and I'm just like, what the fuck? I don't know. I, to be honest, I actually grew my hair out in high school. I had an afro in high school because I didn't oh. want to go to the barber shop, <laughs> and then had to figure out how to do that and like college and everything else which is weird but yeah i think that's the idea like we we enter and now you, you i think and i was telling um some medical students this uh a few months ago but the idea that like your ability to express yourself i feel like gets easier relatively mm-hmm. easier as you get through your training process because there's less people that can actually say anything to you about anything that being said i think we all have like the noose of um professionalism that's around our necks sometimes yeah. um, because I think it can be tightened to to fit anyone's definition of what a professional is and I think sometimes what people deem to be quote-unquote professional is actually oppressive and not actually um, conducive for people to express themselves and there are times where like I feel like it's for like branding and business purposes and stuff like that too which also can be oppressive so I think it's interesting right this idea like hair is one thing um, I think as being black physicians sometimes we also have to profession. how we yeah, like how you speak, who you talk to, like how you talk to people, how you handle criticism. Because I think some attendees talk to you like crazy and you're like, how? Would you, this would never. And you're like, all right, how is that professional? But what I'm supposed to do is just like take this. Um, many a time a nurse or someone is like, all right, like an attendee gets spoken to me. I'm just like, who are you? I'm like, all right, well, we're here to train. We're Again, you, you, you're you like beaten into this idea that you should be like grateful. Like, oh my God, I'm grateful for, right. to, to be abused. Thank you for this. Right. <laughs> Thank you for the opportunity. I, I'm, uh, yeah, so I think that's um, a bit of it. I wonder how I was listening to, actually, before we got on here, I was listening to this video clip. I want to say it's Giovanni. 
and which she's she's um doesn't know. Oh, Who's Giovanni? Um, hold on, I gotta make sure I don't mess this up because I love her. So, uh, Nick, I call her Giovanni. <laughs> like we're friends. Uh, <laughs> Nikki Giovanni or Miss Giovanni. Uh, she's a poet. Nikki, she's oh. a poet. She's um actually I think she's at Virginia Tech. I think um a famous black poet. She was talking to a group of um, black women on on Instagram social media and what she was saying the best part of being old age or she's a grandmother um was that like the ability to just be yourself and and to love yourself for that um and i think she's and one of the things that worries about the generation is that that not i don't think our generation maybe the generation below us or maybe that's we don't love ourselves and the first thing mm-hmm. you should say is that in the morning is you should say i love you the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning because that may be the only time you hear it all day and I was just like, broke my heart. Oh. <laughs> I was just like, oh my gosh, that's real. So sad. <laughs> it's so sad. <laughs> but it's yeah, but I I love the idea that like there's so much beauty. I mean, that and this is what we talked about. Like, as you get older, you have the ability to just be yourself and love yourself and like also have a strong defense against the rest of the world who tell you that you are not enough or that you are different because you're different, there's a problem. Yeah. Whereas when you're younger, you're so impressionable and you're like you're similar to the barbershop experience. You're like, you walk in, you're supposed to know that you want to like low cut Caesar with the deep waves. Like, like the trauma. Exactly. You were like, I didn't know that language. I didn't, I, I, like, like, it was, it was, I don't know what that was. I don't know what any of those things were. I also didn't, also didn't watch sports. It was bad. It was, it was terrible experience. But all some of those things, like, so you're told like you should have these things. You should do these things. And then like you develop your, your black identity in some ways and and you go into a profession that, doesn't really feed that identity. It actually wants mm-hmm. to sort of snuff it out in a lot of ways. And so I think that is what, that like dissonance in the way of trying to figure out like how do you be your authentic self and what who is your authentic self? It was something that I learned about like even when I first became an attending. I mean, my first year, I was just like, I, I, just, I think I told somebody, I thought it was like, yeah, you're really mouthy lately. <laughs> but I, like, what? I was like, this was that works with one of my friends. But uh, but I realized it was because like I felt a newfound freedom. Like I can mm. finally say what I want to say. And yeah. I can do things the way I want to do it. And I don't feel the need or the fear of retaliation in some way. Yeah. Um, and, and of course you I mean, I'm not I don't I'm not gonna go crazy and, and like verbally abuse like, you know, nurses and, and trainees and other colleagues, but I do think there's just a way of like defending yourself, especially in the medical profession. Freedom. Yeah. Like defending what you know. Like people would all come to you like, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like yeah. that's that's the best feeling in the world that like you know as you know your stuff, like I it's it's much harder, especially when you get a past training to be like, No, I don't think I don't think I don't think trainees should adopt that persona because I think trainees always should um lurk. Christina just texted us and said we should hurry up because she's making her game lag. <laughs> 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 The worst, the most unsupportive person. <laughs> like, so unsupportive. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm gonna go on, go on the rant. But yeah, like that's the, the idea. Like there should be like the freedom to be able to express yourself. And also, like if I want to walk in, I mean, sometimes like I, I'm I'm a black queer individual, and for me, it's like sometimes I want to walk in. Like my my toenails are painted most of the time, um, I, and like I've taken out my piercings. I've like done all those things, and then because of the institutions that I've been a part of have mm. flip-flops some of them have been very like opening and inclusive and i feel comfortable and some i feel like oh my god if i like come in with like you know crazy glasses or something someone's gonna look at me sideways so it's that yeah. pressure and, and perceived or not it's real so i think that's what we're about it, 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 in real time like you know one of the people i've mentored is applying for residency mm-hmm. and they had the most beautiful locks mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like I'm scrolling through the Twitter mm-hmm. and the Twitter, this person no longer has their locks. Oh no. And I'm like, 
yo what's going on everything's okay why'd you cut your hair hey there i hope you're enjoying listening to the show i want to take a minute to talk about true learn and thank them for sponsoring the black doctors podcast TrueLearn is a medical exam preparation company that helps you outperform on your boards. If you are a medical student or resident physician, you should definitely check out their products. If you sign up, please use the code BDPODCAST and you'll get a discount. They have resources for both DO students as well as MD students and even physician assistants. When it comes to residency licensure, they offer question banks for over eight different specialties. TrueLearn gives analytics that give you insight into your study habits, your question responses, and tracks you along with your peers. Students and residents average 20% improvements after completing a TrueLearn smart bank. Check them out at truelearn.com. And again, remember to use the code BDPODCAST to receive your special discount. Now back to the show. No longer has their locks. Oh no. And I'm like, Yo, what's going on? Yeah. Everything's okay. Why'd you cut your hair? And they yeah. they said, hey, I'm applying and I don't think I'm the strongest applicant and I don't want anything that might hold me back. Yeah. So I just, um, you know, basically made themselves as, you know, professional, quote unquote, yes. as possible. And, it, yeah. you know, it broke my heart, but I, I understand because that was pretty much what I did at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, some people, and, and I, because I've had to give advice to mentors. This this person didn't ask me, but people ask me, like, should I cut my hair? Should yeah. I do this? Should yeah. I do that? And for me, it's always a very, it's a personal decision. Mm-hmm. Again, that's the decision that I made. I didn't want anything. My my number one goal was to match into a residency. Yeah. And I didn't want anything that would, anything to to detract from that. Mm-hmm. And I know there's, there's some attendings that listen to this podcast and mm-hmm. some program directors and this is what you know your minoritized applicants are actively dealing with yeah. during this process and then you know i respect those other people that are like hey i'm wearing my locks i'm wearing my earrings mm-hmm. i know dr rob drummond um he's actually married to medicine but he he's <sighs> uh, mdphc he had his earring like he's like oh like i wore my earring to yeah. all my all my interviews mm-hmm. and there's people that are like this is me unapologetically yes if you got a problem with it, then I don't want to be here anyways. And mm-hmm. I have the utmost respect for those people. Yeah. And I, I, the advice I give to my trainees and other people, like you just have to decide who you are mm-hmm. and and what is is your priority. And like yeah. as you mentioned, the further you get from that vulnerable position, when mm-hmm. I'm looking for jobs, or you have gainful employment yeah. as a physician, yeah. then you can be like, eh, you know, I'm going to be me and. I can deal without this opportunity. If I miss an opportunity yeah. because I have locks, because I have an earring, mm-hmm. because my toenails are painted, mm-hmm. yeah, well, I didn't need that opportunity anyways. But we have this kind of empowerment and privilege now to, to make to those. Make those. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and also, I think the privilege goes, you know, depending on what your specialty is and what your, where you yeah. live and where your family situation is like. like. I think sometimes you're kind of constrained. Sometimes you're like, you have to go to that one healthcare system because that's the only one that's in the state that you're, or the area that you're in. And you got to deal with what they, they're, putting you through but I, I always feel bad I, I um especially when there's trainees that are sort of asking like how do I present myself so people understand who I am and I'm uh, my gut is like just be yourself and let them accept you because that's how you find the environment you're supposed to be in yeah. the problem with that is that like hey it's not fair because that's not how it's not realistic mm-hmm. so you want to tell them because that's the right thing to tell them because that's the right thing that, that <laughs> should be <laughs> by the end of the day that like the system isn't built for that the system is only built to handle only so much. And the more you deviate from their image of a physician, the harder it is for them to see you in the role. And I feel like that's 
that's changing a lot of ways, but still very yeah. stagnant in so many other ways. So I think that's that's us. That's our generation. That's other people before us that mm-hmm. have worked to create a more accepting environment. Yeah. And I think that's the best I can do is like mm-hmm. try to change anesthesia wherever I yeah. end up, whatever program I'm at. I'm the fellow on service. Mm-hmm. You now have somebody that you can identify with. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's all I can do in some circumstances yeah. and also and also being able to like defending the rights and the of individuals for trainees i mean there's a multiple i don't know if you've done like intern selection committee or like faculty selection or any of those things like being part of those discussions and being part mm-hmm. of what people mm-hmm. are saying you're just like is that what you picked up from that whole conversation like that's right. like what the way her, way her hair is that's what you picked up for this whole conversation <laughs> like how does that have anything to do with anything else? like and so sometimes, and then sometimes it's coded language, right? With what they're like, they're, they're mm. describing, like, and, and and it's not uncommon for me to hear that, especially about you know um, applicants of color. And so like those are the ones I'm just like, oh god, how do I, how do I say something? And then, but now I don't care. I'm older, yeah, I'm middle aged. I don't care anymore. Um, like, middle aged, embrace it. I know. <laughs> no longer care about what because because just what you said, right? I mean, in the, the day is that like hopefully though the the the, the professional being in the profession helps protect you in a lot of ways because there's a lot of job security. There are people who are saying outright crazy things, outright racist things um, mm-hmm. that still have their jobs. Um, yeah, so yeah. the idea that you, I think you should always defend yourself. And I think if you go home and you feel like you made yourself smaller just to fit into that space, then that's not the space for you. Yeah. And it's very easy to say now that I'm at the other end of training. And for those who are in residency or in medical school, like there's light at the end of the tunnel. And when you, when you choose, when you're in medical school, when you choose your residency, Please don't go based off the name. Please don't go based off like, you know, how well known this program is and blah, 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 blah. Like go for the experience, go for the education, but go for the fit. Um, because a lot yeah. of a lot of medicine is standardized in a lot of ways. And that's why I did residency. That's why I enjoyed the people I was with residency. I didn't enjoy the work of residency. <laughs> um, but so I we didn't met in residency. What? Huh? We met in residency. Exactly. No, I, exactly. Like it was the culture of residency, right? It's the idea that like yeah. we were, there were still people out there that were similar to me and understood the suffering and, and also the process of growing into the into the field. And then I went I went to um, fellowship in DC and loved my experience in DC. I, I loved every part of it. I loved the work and I loved the people. Because that's why yeah. I did pediatrics. I could not do the rest of the other stuff. But those things helped. But yeah, I, don't know. I, I feel like. Especially because right now, I think the rank lists are due for a lot of people. I'm like, I don't, all I know is pediatric specialists. I know those the lists are due. I think today or yesterday, um, and it matches well, November thirtieth. Yeah. Still, no, I think they're still interviewing. Are they, I repeat, I felt like I think the match day is November thirtieth. I think. I don't know. Someone posted. Uh, Again, I, I also have information. No, match, matches in March. What? Someone said November. Wait, I've got I got my information from social media. Fellowship? Oh my god, from. The, from Elon's Twitter. <laughs> exactly. No, <laughs> Sorry, no. <laughs> if you're listening and need uh, advice on the match process, someone, please do not reach somebody, out. To... Somebody with a blue check told me that it was November uh, <laughs> 30th. <laughs> I think oh, it's like January and the best days in March. But that's for residency. Maybe fellowships yeah, felt, are different. No, uh-huh. so I'm, talking, I'm talking about fellowship, yeah. Oh, fellowship. Yeah, okay. I think because our fellowships are early. They're usually in December. For P's at least. I can't speak to anyone else. Because um, I knew I, I knew where I matched in, right, from right around my birthday. Oh. So I think November 30th is when the fellowship, the fellows are going to okay. match. And it's weird because then you're like matched really early in the year and you saw like the whole year of residency. <laughs> you're just like, why am I doing this? Gotta get through it. Um, so yeah. Um, but for the, the medical students out there, and we'll probably have like, we should probably talk to one or two of them and, and like the next couple of things to think about because they're going to be thinking about their interviews and, and rank list and, and what to do. I, please, please, please don't, don't just choose like these, I, 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 some of the big names are great, and most of them are awesome. I, I can only speak for my field, but but I do know that there are definitely for all specialties, there are definitely places that 
work well for applicants and they're the ones that don't work well for other trainees. So if I find you a fit and talk yeah, to attendings, and, talk to real attendings who have been through experience, who will speak their absolutely. mind and will tell you how they feel. So I wanted to say though, and one thing I learned from you mm-hmm. and a couple other people like with regards to respectability politics, I know when I first went into medicine, I got into medical school, I'm like, I'm going to be a doctor. And then I think for a lot of people, uh, especially like I, for a lot of, hetero males, right? Mm. You're going to be the alpha male. You're going to be a physician. Mm. You're going to have everything that comes with being a doctor. And that's easy to like go to your head. And that's for me where that respectability politics first came in, like that concept of you're going to treat me different because I am a physician. Mm. And that's something else that I kind of struggled with over the years. Probably the most embarrassing um, moment was when me and one of my uh, co-medical students wrote, wore our white coats to a bar in D.C., um, but, uh, you know, we, <laughs> we all can look back at things wow. that we've done in our past and, what and, possessed and you? Just, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, it, it's, was, it's it was caught up in the moment. Yeah. You get, you get really excited. I, I, I once wore my medical school ID to a bar and they were like, what are you doing? And I was like, I, I don't know if I'm going to get called in. The pager where right. it just scrubs out. And it wasn't like, you know, I think hanging out with you, I got better over the years. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm, it's just a job. It's just a profession. Yeah. I kind of first like went all in to be a physician and then, you know, rekindled my love for music and kind of had a more balanced career. And mm-hmm. I think at some point I was hanging out with you and, and some of your friends and one of them made a comment. It's like, cause somebody was like, oh, it's Dr. Steven, it's Dr. Date or whatever. Yeah. They're like, like, no, I'm not calling you that. We're at a bar. Like, that has nothing to do with this. And I was like, oh, duh. Yes, like, yeah. Yes. Yes, so, it's separating those identities. Yeah. It, it's made such a huge difference for me. Like, like when I am talking to a patient, hey, I'm Dr. Bradley and we'll, no. and we'll keep it professional. But every other time, whether it's, you know, medical students, whether it's the nurses I'm working with, whether we're out with friends, like being able to separate the two, which for me, like it mm-hmm. seemed, it seemed like a foreign concept. Like, like I don't, I'm not a physician all the time. Like I, I, yeah thought that, but I would still kind of think like I should be looked at differently. There should be yeah. a little bit more respect. Uh, but embracing that, like, I'm just Steven. I work in the hospital. Yeah. Um, I'm just a regular person mm-hmm. has really changed my mindset and honestly allowed me to make better relationships with friends. Like yeah. I said, I'm not not that guy that, you know, we we stereotypical position that you see in yeah. Grey's Anatomy or whatever, but... Yeah, yeah, like the asshole. The assholes who, who yeah. like, literally, literally... I once was... I was in Puerto Rico for a spring break in college, <laughs> and, uh, uh, this, this will be a, a PG story, uh, but, uh... Oh, good. Uh, okay. There was... There, yeah, no. <laughs> there, we were at a casino, and, um, this guy was super drunk, and he was getting kicked out of the bar, and he was just like, do you know who I am? I'm a surgeon, I'm a physician or something, and I save lives, and I was just like, ew, I would never, yeah. ever want to say that in my life. Like, hey. I'm literally just cleaning up like RSV right now. Like I'm like like, and not that I'm not <laughs> helping people. Like I definitely am, and maybe I'm saving life every now and then. But like, I I don't. It's a central part of my identity, but I don't integrate it in all aspects of my life because I don't believe yeah. that my profession is all of who I am. And I think people, for some people, that works for them, and that works how they construct their identity, and that works for how they are. But um, life and people are way much more interesting and more. There's more nuance. There's more details. More grit to the people for people. And it's more interesting. It's hard to relate to people when all you do is talk about your job the entire time because there's not that yeah. many people that look like us that do our job. But also, it's also like, it's it's, it's out of, I mean, 
I divorced the two because I have to be able to like live yeah. my life and then go to work, live my life, go to work. Um, but some people integrate it and it works for them. And there is a, there is a little bit about respectability when it comes to like, if you're in a, you're in a society that tells you that you're nothing and all of a sudden you get to be, you get to infiltrate into a profession that is largely held by white males and you get somewhat of a status upgrade because of that. Yeah. But the problem is that like, once you leave the hospital, even while you're at the hospital, but like, once you leave the hospital, that doesn't, doesn't, you don't get a mark of like, I, there's like something on your mm-hmm. forehead that says I'm, this doctor so-and-so and people should receive. no one can see that um and people don't assume that i i literally even while i was at the hospital i forgot my id and i went to the security to go it's happened to me last Ooh. week i went to go to go to get like a temporary id and they're like oh what do you work do you work uh ebs and i was like no Maintenance. i work in the, in the emergency <laughs> department they're like oh do you like a patient registration and i was like no not one, one of the er attendings any badge thanks but the idea is that, like he's kept guessing my role and i was just like just stop guessing <laughs> just listen to what i have to tell you right but it's the idea that like people you can't wear that and so sometimes like it's easier to navigate certain spaces, especially spaces that you feel uncomfortable with that armor, that white coat armor that you have. Mm, like, well, mm-hmm. no, I actually can't, like, whatever. But it, that same armor is a barrier for you to connect to other people because no one, not no one else, really operates like that generally. So yeah. it, I don't know. Like, living that double life, like one of the I worked at the trauma center Southside of Chicago, mm-hmm. and walking with one of the trauma surgeons, he just made the comment of like, you know, he's like a uh, black trauma surgeon. He's like, if I took my white coat off, like. I'd be like one of these patients. Yeah. And it's hard, like, when you see people treating patients that look like you. Yeah. And in, in, in the minds of your colleagues, like, you know, they separate you from mm-hmm. from them. Like, you're yeah. one of the good blacks. And then yes. this is a gangbanger on the south side of Chicago. Exactly. Or, you know, you see people um, that are victims of police violence being pulled over, being executed on the side of the road. Yeah. People dissociate you from them and and it's easy for sometimes us to dissociate ourselves like oh they would that would never happen to me because of the way i dress because of the way i mm-hmm. talk because of the stethoscope i have hanging yeah. from my rearview mirror and i am not them when and in reality like it is all of our job to realize that that shouldn't be happening to anybody regardless yeah. of how yeah. you dress or or talk or, or speak and yeah that's kind of with regards to respectability politics like that's mm-hmm. the huge burden that mm-hmm. i i feel the need to take on now to remind mm-hmm. myself, to remind other people that we're all human. Yeah. Our jobs don't matter. We all deserve yeah. the basic human rights and human decency. Yeah. And then most importantly, we have the right to express ourselves the way we see fit. Any place that you have, to, you should be able to go to any place you want to exist and not have to minimize any part of yourself. And if you have to walk into a space and be like, well, I can't speak like that right now, or I can't wear my hair like that, or I can't wear this outfit. Or, then you should act like how important it is to you and, and, and is that robbing you of your ability to be yourself? Because at the end of the day, all you have is yourself, right? I mean, the profession will come. Yeah, I mean, you can't practice medicine for the rest of your life. So it seems like doom and gloom. Hope trainees are like, oh my God, is this what it's like? <laughs> it kind of is. Um, but there's some happiness, some funny stories. There's some humor there, in there. There's some there's some, there's some, some black joy in, uh, in, 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 uh, in, medis- in medicine. Um, there definitely is. There's so many moments. Actually, I saw a patient the other night who was seen by one of my attendings in uh, D.C. And I just like, noticed her name. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it was just like, it was another Black black physician. I was like, oh, wow. Um, and for a moment, I was like, oh, yeah, we're all out there. We're all there doing things. But yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a process. There, it's, it's a process. It's, it's, I mean, when we, when we hang up this, this call and I, and I go outside and whatever, like, no, it's, it's, I'm back to my regular self. Um, and I, you have to be aware of that. Like, at the end of the day, if you walk around thinking that people are going to know you're a physician because you're Black, that kind of puts you in a vulnerable position because society isn't looking at you like that. Um, I've dealt with it both in and outside the hospital. I mean, the whole thing that happened when I was in residency happened while I was I was a senior resident there and I, and I got attacked by a police officer. So it's like, 
in the hospital. So like not even it doesn't matter. Like I, I always wonder if I was like a, if I was like an older white male, this man ever touched me? Mm. I don't know. Yeah. But I also didn't. You also don't. I didn't dress like a. I didn't dress like a typical physician. But I it doesn't change who I am. Um, but breaking that mold requires people to be have that courage to continue to be themselves and continue to push the boundary. And unfortunately, there's some martyrdom that's associated with that. But there is like it's about doing the work so those who come after us have a little bit easier, a little bit more easier to just be themselves. Yeah. And push them back. Oh man, that was a lot. We we got uh, you know I, know, I think we talked about changing the hodgepodge of content. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> we talked about yeah. uh, kind of changing the the flow and uh, one dealing with current events as well what they yes. were really trying to do and mm-hmm. then talking about like real issues um which yeah. I feel like we got into that, so one of the issues we're probably talking about you can edit this out but one of the things we're probably talking about soon is the Supreme Court is going to make a decision about affirmative action hmm. and that is going to send shockwaves through um, medical education because it's definitely going to it's just going to be interesting how universities and academic institutions either stand by their policies or don't and what that means for the numbers of diversity that happens because I think it's going to be a huge hurdle because unfortunately we have a crackpot of the Supreme Court and unfortunately yeah. they will most likely there will most likely be a huge blow and we could talk talk about like the actual case and stuff because I don't think people are aware of how no, wait, serious I, it's well, very similar wasn't it's very it, wasn't on, it wasn't on Twitter so it was on because well, Elon probably got rid of it but like because <laughs> so, of free speech and all um, but, um, this is this is huge and the, the, basically it's going to probably eliminate the ability for a unit institution to be able to interview and evaluate applicants based off race which is like, sounds like a good thing, right? Like, oh, race shouldn't be a factor, but race is a factor in, in society and in the world and we know it yeah. is and we have to accommodate, we have to address it and eliminate it, but also to accommodate for its effects. So, well, when, when is that going to go down? I don't know. Um, I know hearings, I know initial, like they took up the case. I think initial hearings have been done and there hasn't been a decision yet, um, but I can talk more about like the actual case itself. Awesome. Well, Dr. Jones, Nate, Nathaniel, yes. um, thank you so much for coming. <laughs> Returning to the show. I'm back. I'm off my sabbatical. I've had a. <laughs> if RSV doesn't do me in, I'm, I'm back. I gotta, I gotta get awesome. my life back on track. So we'll see for the holidays. Well, um, tune in next week to another episode of the Black Doctors Podcast. We're here because representation matters. Cue the music. <laughs> Thanks oh, for tuning man. in to this episode of the Black Doctors Podcast. Hope you found it helpful. If you haven't already, be sure to follow us on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave a rating, leave a review. This really helps the show to grow. Thank you so much for your support. Tune in next week to another episode of the show. We're here because representation matters. Also, as we look forward to starting season seven, if you're interested in sponsoring the show, please drop us a line either on social media or via email. You can put your business or product in front of our listeners and support our efforts to increase diversity within the healthcare workforce.